From the campus of Utah State University, we bring you the Statesman Sports Desk Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Statesman Sports Desk. I'm your host, Dalton Renshaw. I'm here with Jason Walker. How's it going, Jason? That's going pretty good. Are you feeling uh, feeling energetic after the uh, last Utah State football game? Uh, yeah, feeling better. Um, when you get a win, it's always nice. We saw some good performances. And I mean, towards the start of the game, I was starting to wonder because, you know, with Weaver State, how they played against San Diego State, and you think Stony Brook, they're a better team, a lot better than Tennessee Tech. You think maybe Utah State will uh, – maybe they'll struggle. But uh, my initial prediction, you know, I think I put on our staff picks and on the video preview we did was generally right, although I predicted the score wrong probably yeah. by like 10 or points for each team, I think. Yeah, I think it was a little bit too favorable for Stony Brook. I think it gave them 17. Which... Yeah, so like give Utah State 10 points for mine and then take away 10 yeah. from Stony Brook, and that's roughly what it ended up being. So obviously they did a lot better than I thought they would. Yeah, good win. Um, Obviously, if, uh, if you guys haven't seen the score by now, which I mean, I don't know where you're living if you haven't seen the score by now. But yeah, Also, why are you listening to this podcast if you don't know the score? You know, maybe there's just casual people tuning in be like, what is sport? Let me hear about sport. <laughs> Um, they're, they're starting with us. Well, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, what an introduction. I love you too, Random Season. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, 62-7 to 7 was the final score. Um, Utah State basically controlled it all the way through, 17 points um, per quarter in the first half, and, you know, just basically held on throughout. Yeah. It was uh, their fourth straight game, I believe, scoring 60 points at home. Yeah, third third straight, I third believe. Third straight? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Regardless, yeah. third or fourth, um, it's a, a school record. And uh, one of actually a couple school records that uh, that they set on Saturday, another record being uh, 34 first downs for Utah State um, over the course of the game. Uh, wow, that's <laughs> it. Just shows how methodical they were. There were fewer chunk plays. There were a lot of chunk plays, but none of the 60 to 80 yard variety that we tended to see a lot last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously you still had. I think they had like 16. Oh, I, I was looking at the thing. It was like. I think it was 16 overall mm-hmm. above 10 yards mm-hmm. or something in that range. Again, I I looked at the stats a few days ago. Now I've managed to forget all of them. <laughs> so, and it's been a while since I rewatched the game. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, e- either way, yeah, a great performance from Utah State. Um, really kind of alleviating any doubts that you might have had coming into the game. I know it's not really the best comparison going from Wake Forest to Stony Brook, but if you did feel a little bit nervous at all, um, I think a lot of things pretty much got ironed out at least for another week right and then you know heading into the bye week we'll we'll see what happens when they face uh san diego state definitely going to be a little bit of tougher of an opponent so let's just uh dive into the stats real quick just for a moment and uh kind of just give a summary of what happened uh what happened in the game um starting along with actually uh i, I misspoke it was 35 first downs um, to sand or to Stony Brook 16. Um, but the one stat I actually really wanted to look at was um, the the total yardage was just like absolutely in favor of, of Utah State. And that's something that I thought maybe Stony Brook could kind of be able to manage doing in the game coming into it was that you know they had 272 yards the week before granted against Bryant, but I thought maybe they'd still be get uh, be able to get a little bit of running game going and just nothing happened for them. I think part of it was, one, Utah State's front seven's a little better than uh, Bryant's. 
And Probably the just other, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, and the other is, well, when Utah State jumps out to a 17-0 lead in the first quarter and then 34-0 at halftime, you going to run the ball still? Right. I mean, they took out their running quarterback, um, Tyquil Fields, uh, who was obviously their leading passer in the week before, but also their leading rusher with like 60 yards or like 58, I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then he, I think he was gone by the first, the second quarter, I think. Yeah, that was interesting. I don't know if that was specifically by design or did they just want to get a, a better look in there because it didn't really feel like the uh, backup that came in and started playing was throwing the ball all that much better than Fields was. He was, you could tell he was a little better and he had more success. I mean, the, the thing is that Fields was awful. He averaged 1.9 yards per attempt, I believe. Yeah, that is correct. Which... You know, 5 of 14, 26 yards. The thing is, that they had a little bit of, a little bit going for them as far as the passing game. When you look at the receivers, like there were some open guys, or at least some chances. It's not like they were going to be ripping Utah State apart, but Fields just couldn't get his receivers the ball. Yeah. And Jack Cassidy couldn't really do much better, but he at least did a little better. He, he did a little bit better, yeah. Um, a 1.9 yards per average, uh, or yards, excuse me, yards per catch average, uh, <laughs> to to 4.6, a little bit better. He had the touchdown. Um, there was a couple of bright spots, obviously, but um, something that actually, you know, I, I was pleased to see um, was the, the secondary was rotating a lot throughout the game, and you know, there was there was some players that at least stood out in my mind, and one of them that I was really impressed with was Cam Lampkin. Um, in his first start, you know, just a couple weeks ago, he's still playing wide receiver. He played a little bit in that Wake Forest game uh, the week prior and actually looked like he made a little bit of a difference come the end of the game and then gets the start at Stony Brook and he, he played well. And I asked uh, Coach Anderson about it in the press ga- or the post game and he actually had some favorable things to say about it too. So we'll just throw, uh, throw that clip in right here and you can hear what Coach Anderson has to say about it. You know, it's just wild for for Cam's composure. uh, You know, Cam played in a very, very competitive uh, league in high school. And, you know, that really helps him. And he came from a high school program that was very, very structure oriented. And um, I think it's helped him adjust to this moment. And uh, he came in with a lot of confidence and a lot of belief. And he continues to grow and develop. He'll gain a lot of knowledge again from this film. But he, he wants it all. He wants, he wants all of it coming back at him. He wants to study the film. He wants to learn how to play. He wants to learn how to be in the moment. You know, a week ago he was learning how to get, how, learning how to get on an airplane for the first time with his team. And now all of a sudden he's you know, started and played however many snaps we played tonight. Um, so he's, uh, he, it's, it's a pleasant surprise. And, and don't forget that uh, you know, two and a half weeks ago he was a wide receiver. So it's uh, pretty special what that kid's been able to do. So that's Coach Anderson talking about uh, Cam Lampkin's performance and it really was a solid performance and he seemed to get a, definitely a lot more comfortable in the role and I know some some other players in the secondary stood out to you as well well it was kind of up and down at times because you could tell at times they were picking on Lampkin but then they kind of picked it up yeah and another guy really picked it up after I think he struggled in maybe kind of late second quarter early or sorry late first quarter early second quarter was um uh, how did I forget his name? DJ Williams. Yeah. I remembered his last name, number seven. So I was thinking of some of the plays he made. You know, he had a few tackles, but they were on plays where I felt like maybe he could have done better, maybe uh, mm-hmm. force an incompletion or deter the quarterback from throwing it entirely. But then I think he ended up leading the game for Utah State in uh, passes defended. Yeah. 
So there's some good and some bad, and I think uh, moving forward, you know, as long as these guys show improvement, as long as Lamp, you know, he's only a few weeks removed from being a wide receiver, right? And DJ Williams has got to continue his improvement after a, a pretty bad week one. And as long as they can get some depth and depth and get you know Cameron Haney back and a few of these other guys, uh, then I think the secondary will be all right. It'll still be a bit of a weakness, but I think this game it showed that they can be a little bit better. But obviously, it didn't you know sway all my yeah. Uh, my I fears. I still wouldn't say they're you know even close to the strongest unit on defense. Yeah. Um, but they they definitely look to be a little bit more solidified where you don't necessarily think that that's going to be a huge weakness coming into every game which is i mean obviously always what you want it's hard to have a really good team and to feel confident about them when you know you may have an all-american linebacker but you always have something that you're worried about yeah which i think that's kind of been alleviated for, at least for the most part right yeah and so um let's actually let's switch over to uh another player that really impressed both of us and um you know it was one of one of the most entertaining post game press conferences yeah. to, to go to as well. Um, we're talking about wide receiver punt returner phenomenon uh, Devin Tompkins, who really I know you mentioned a little bit about the Wake Forest game where he kind of you know did a couple things that stood out to you. But I mean, if you watch that Sony Brook game, there's just no way you can deny his talent. Yeah. Well, that's the thing when he, when he had that catch and run against uh, Wake Forest, I was like, well, that was interesting, and I think maybe. Maybe you beat something, but again, you're at, after that, you're focused on the OC Mariner, Caleb Rep, and maybe we'll get to them in a minute. But like, then he gets Tony Burke. It's just okay. This is a guy who, and I, I tweeted out during the game, this is a guy we should probably keep a, an eye on because yeah. he could work his way into being one of the more targeted receivers. Because he was in the game, it wasn't like his, you know, his his touchdown catch that he had. Because he had five receptions. 77 yards and a touchdown. That one, it was the last one of the game he caught it from Henry Columbia. Yeah. But he had an impact early in the game. His punter turn touchdown was the first touchdown of the game for Utah State. And he was targeted in the end zone for what would have been the first touchdown of the game. Mm-hmm. But I think they ended up kicking the field goal in that possession. Yeah. So he had some plays. He I think three or four of his catches were from Jordan Love. So he's a guy who could have an impact Maybe as much as Jordan Nathan, and for how much Jordan loves throwing the ball, you know somebody's got to catch those. And Tom <laughs> right, might right. be one of those guys. That's very true. Well, and like what I really like about Tompkins and his game is that, you know, you have a lot of options for Jordan Love. Obviously, I think it was another game where I believe nine players caught caught a pass from uh, the quarterbacks, um, and 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 you obviously have the presences like. Caleb Rep starting to become a presence. C.O.C. Mariner on the outside. They've been playing Jordan Nathan a little bit more on the outside as well. And so you have that kind of really dynamic um, down the field threat in Tompkins where, you know, all passing plays aren't made alike, right? So even yeah. if you have, you know, really good receivers, you still want to have that versatility where you can, you know, design certain things for certain receivers or certain looks. And, you know, I just think of Devin Tompkins being, you know, if you line him up in the slot and, you know, say you see, uh, the defense cheat to like a one high safety or something like that. That's just lethal. And yeah. that's something that you would just always want to have in your offense. Yeah. And he's, you know, you look at him and save on Scarberry. Now you're looking at two ridiculous deep threats yeah. who can get on that top end speed. And Tompkins even has a bit more of a shiftiness about him that maybe none of these other guys do. I mean, the next closest is Jordan Nathan, um, who's obviously good, but I, I think that Tompkins hasn't beaten that in that regard. Yeah, I, I would agree. And like, 
just based off of pure speed wise nothing this is confirmed but uh just going off of Tompkins's word he said in the, said in the post game that he ran a 43 431 yeah. in uh in the preseason times which is just oh my god that's that's speed i don't know if they've had that kind of speed on the team in in at least a couple of years yeah, i don't know if they've well, they've ever had at least as far as the guy who's like in the rotation. Maybe yeah. you get one of those guys. Maybe on almost, you know, a lot a lot of college teams. I shouldn't say every college team, but a lot of them will have a guy who's you know stupid fast. But yeah. To have a guy who's also you know he's got some good hands. Tompkins made a couple of good catches, mm-hmm. run routes, things like that. Yeah. You know, to have a guy that's able to do that is it's amazing. Yeah. I think of, and we'll see if he gets involved in like the running game at all or anything like that to make this comparison apt. But I think of somebody like Tavon Austin a couple of years ago at West Virginia, where just he had all the speed in the world. He could, you know, do anything in the kick, kick return game, punt return game. And like, it, it was just a nightmare for defenses wherever he lined up on the field. And, um, you know, that's just a good compliment to like, we'll talk about some other players that Utah State has at wide receiver. C.O.S. Mariner had another great game. Um, Kayla Rep had another great game. And you, we mentioned Scarver a little bit. Um, he even had a really, really good catch to start the game where he kind of faded out and made a turnaround catch to the sideline, which, you know, we really haven't seen a ton of plays like that out of Savon Scarver either. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, last year, I felt like he had a bit of a reputation for not having great hands. Granted, that may have just come from like one play where he just there absolutely. Was, there was more than one play. Yeah. Let's be fair. The one I remember in particular was against Air Force where he dropped a wide-open touchdown. Yes, yes. But I just felt like he didn't have the greatest hands. Now we've seen a lot of good plays. He had one was really close to being a catch there down the sideline, which I didn't ever really get another good angle at it Mm -hmm. because they reviewed it and overturned it. But it was still a pretty impressive grab nonetheless because he held on to the ball all the way through and it may have just hit the ground or something like that and maybe bobbled a little bit. But it was really impressive from him. So I mean, if, if if he continues to improve, then I mean, just this whole wide receiver cast is becoming really, really impressive. Yeah, it's something we were talking about um, before we started recording. Is that it? It kind of almost seems like it's the best group on the whole team now. Yeah, as far as top to bottom, it probably is. Because I mean, do they have the top end stars? No, you know, Jordan Love, David Woodward, topped them out. Maybe DJ Williams, if you know. He's living up to his preseason hype. Mm -hmm. But, again, as far as depth goes, you're going like six or seven guys deep who can get a catch every single game. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, right now, you you look at last year's, I mean, Jalen Green and uh, Ron Quavion. I I mean, the guys now are probably going to outpace them in terms of catches and yards. I oh, mean, yeah, I would imagine so. COC Mariner is on pace for nearly 80 receptions this year, which is almost 20 more than what I think Tarver had, and he was the leading receptor. I think he has 66. Mm-hmm. And But Caleb Rep's on pace for like 68 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And, and that's another thing. Like, you look at using the tight end, like last year, and I don't know what it was with uh, Dax Raymond, either he wasn't used or maybe he was overrated. I'm not going to speculate on that maybe it was just something to do with the offense whatever yeah. it was I, i'd lean more towards just it was the offensive system than him being over it because he made it to the nfl right and he impressed a lot of coaches there yeah. but he had 27 catches last year he was like fifth or sixth on the team and you know catches yards yards per catch whatnot somewhere in that five to seven range in each of those stats but caleb rep is second on the team in catches he's not super impressive in yards per catch but you know he's right now one of the favorite targets of jordan love and it's it's nice to have two guys there that are 
Uh, it, it'll be interesting to see if they're red zone targets. I don't know about Caleb Rep, but you would imagine so. Just based off his size, I believe he's like six five two thirty. Yeah. So you would imagine, even if he's you know maybe that's not his best skill set, you would think they're going to at least try to utilize him that way. Yeah. Um, and then also COC Mariner being, I believe, 6'2 as well. So Yeah. And so they're basically replacing Jalen Green and Ron Quaving Tarver, who were his two favorite targets last season. Yeah. Tall guys that you can really throw the ball to and make something out of it. Uh, but then you're going deeper and you got some slot guys, some shiftier guys. Mm-hmm. And they're, you know, this receiving crew is probably going to be better than it was last year. And I thought last year's was pretty good. I, so. I would think so too. And, and, just to touch on it briefly, because I'd be remiss if we didn't at least mention the the game that Jalen Warren had, you know, back-to-back games going over 100 yards, um, kind of starting to lead this running back unit in in some ways, even if, you know, Bright still had a pretty good game. Um, I wouldn't necessarily knock his performance, but definitely seeing way more production out of Jalen Warren than I anticipated coming into the season. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I said this after the Wake Forest game. I, I expected Gerald Bright to have more yards in this game because I expect him to be the starter. Um, although that was, I put the caveat on there. If as long as somebody else didn't have a really big run, which yeah, that's actually exactly what happened. You know, Jalen Warren had like a 54 yard run and then Andrew Peasley had a long run. So I think those yeah. two were both ahead of bright in total yards. Yeah. So, Peas- it, wasn't, so it wasn't wrong, but I mean, again, I think Jalen Warren is probably going to slowly take over the, the starting running spot. Like I said, in the last podcast, just cause again, Gerald Bright's not a bad running back. It's just Jalen Warren's better. Or yeah. At least that's what we've seen so far. Uh, so if we're continuing on this path, I mean, Jalen Warren's averaging like almost nine yards a carry, which that's just going to go down because it will. Right. Um, cause Especially average- when you meet San Diego State. <laughs> yeah. So, but if he if he continues on this, where I'm, I'm just seeing Jalen Warren is able to better exploit the rushing lanes. Yeah. And Jalen Bright, is seeing a lot of the same things Jalen Warren is doing. He's making a lot of the same cuts. He's just not as able so far that I've seen to take advantage of those. Yeah, it seems like Jalen Warren, at least at least the way he runs, where it differs slightly from Gerald Bright. Gerald Bright seems to be slightly more patient, but not necessarily in a good way. Where almost it seems like sometimes the hole kind of collapses right in front of him, and you know, kind of runs out of space to run. Um, where Jalen Warren really seems to take the ball and pick his hole and just run through it which always I mean, doesn't always work right um but at least he's had a lot of um a lot of luck or a lot of um ability early in the season to find the right running lane and just absolutely just run straight through it with no yeah. regard for human life like uh, the the 54 yard run you're talking about which came on a, a series where it was two plays 79 yards the yeah. first play was a 25 yard pass to Jalen Warren as well but that 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 run play it it didn't really look like and this kind of personally is just one of my favorite plays to see where it doesn't look like there's going to be much developing and you know maybe it's stopped up a tiny bit of the line and then the back just breaks right through and just yeah. straight to the end zone what's one of the most beautiful plays in the game of football is a halfback dive up the mm-hmm. middle where he goes for six cause mm-hmm. it's just there's so much that goes right in those plays you know all the blocking and all that and then running back maybe having the right vision to maybe redirect to a different hole or something like that so I don't know. This will be this will be an ongoing thing because I think the coaching staff is still going to be pretty adamant about having Gerald Bright in there. They were last season. Granted, there's different coaches. Yeah. But last year they were really stubborn about keeping Bright in there, and he 
didn't let them down again. That's no. I, 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 I don't want to sound like I'm bashing on Gerald Bright because he's not bad. No. It's, it's like choosing five guys are in and out. Yeah. Well, five guys every day of the week. <laughs> in and out is... Oh. <laughs> I, I knew that'd come with a little bit of controversy, but you know I gotta rep my California guys and overrated. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. But anyways, yeah, your point your point is valid. Of like, it's not necessarily saying that Gerald Bright um, isn't a talented back or isn't going to do the job for you. It just seems like you know back to back years, there's been somebody who just performs a little bit better. Yeah, it'd be nice if had a, if he could be a power back because then he'd really compliment Jalen Warren well because Warren's terrible power yeah. back. Yeah. You know, those those third and short situations, fourth and short, Warren's not good at those. No, no. So we really have nobody on the team right now because Bright's not terribly good at them either. You know who I really thought coming into the season would be that guy, and he's only had, I believe, seven carries this season, is Riley Burt. <coughs> I really kind of expected Riley Burt to at least get more opportunities um, and just hasn't had him for whatever reason. I'm not sure what it is, but... Um, I just expected somebody who's transferring from BYU didn't have the best season last season, but had a decent one to have more than you know, or have more than ten carries early in the season. Yeah, it's interesting because you know Coach Anderson said he wants to go three deep at running back. Yeah, and he's very clearly only two deep. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, you say uh, Riley Burt, the dude's you know six one, two hundred and ten pounds, that has power back written all over it. Yeah, but I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's a mystery. Well, maybe we'll see a little bit more of it in the San Diego State game um, where, you know, the, the holes definitely aren't going to be there in abundance like they were against uh, Stony Brook. But let's talk about one more player before we kind of move on to the next segment of this podcast, and that's Jordan Love. We really haven't touched on Jordan Love too much, but um, he, he only played roughly two quarters in this game. Yeah. He played, I believe, the first series. Yeah, it was the, the first series, which was uh, all Jalen Warren pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, it was essentially a 25-yard pass and yeah. then just let Jalen Warren do the rest. It's like, lob the pass, all right, we're yeah. good. And I'll just walk off to the sideline now. Yeah. My night's done. But, uh, yeah, J- Jordan Love, uh, another pretty good game, 25 of 34, um, just shy of 300 yards. I know you really wanted to get that 300 <laughs> yards in there, but uh, just shy. And uh, that the touchdown pass as well. So, um, I don't know. I... I don't. I can, definitely can't say anything bad about his performance. I don't know if I can say anything gl- like overwhelmingly good, but it was good. It was, it was good to see. However, we do have somebody who can talk about him a little bit more glowingly, and that's Coach Anderson. And here he is. Well, I think that the you know the biggest thing is we have Jordan Love to make those plays. Uh, he is a special, special quarterback, and uh, you know he stays so steady, Eddie, and in the moment takes what's there. And if the receivers are they're unselfish as a crew, which is also great to see. There's nobody out there counting catches. Uh, they're just excited when their opportunity comes to make a play. And you know, we've caught the ball extremely well, and we've made some big plays. And in this offense, I say it all the time, you can't just be a guy that catches the ball and falls down. You have to catch the ball and make something happen with it. And we have numerous guys that were able to do that tonight. And, um, you know, I think, again, the offensive line allowed Jordan to get the ball out um, in, a, in a timely manner, and they all executed at a high level. So. Yeah, I mean, his first few passes were, he was off in that first series and a half, yeah. I think. Yeah. And you kind of see it. Um, but then he caught on. I mean, the one thing that stood out to me was that he had the, the 22 passes in the first quarter. Yeah. Which just, you know, I, I've been saying it, uh, I don't know how public I've say, said it, but I believe Jordan Love's going to be throwing a lot of passes this year. I think I might have said it on the last podcast, he might have gone over I think over you did, it. yeah. So... 22 passes in a quarter, 
That's quite a few. <laughs> that was insane. And it really shows the focus of this team that when it matters, they're throwing the ball. Yeah. And yeah. I, I know Coach Anderson has said he'd like to be 50-50. He did add the caveat in the right situation, which yeah. makes me feel like he's not committing to that no. at no, all. No. So um, it's um, it was almost like 70-30 in that first quarter, just mm-hmm. with how much he's throwing the ball. And heck, it worked. Um, he wasn't spectacular in terms of the yardage he was getting off of the volume of throws, like right. at least like it was last year, because normally like throw like twenty two yards and get like you know three hundred yards yeah. or something like yeah. that. But he he did really well overall after that initial rough start. He he was connecting on a lot of passes. Um, I remember I was watching I was rewatching the game and I remember he missed a what would have been a touchdown on. Uh, he ended up throwing a deep ball, and he missed Caleb Rep for what would have been a really, mm. really easy yes. touchdown. Yes, I do remember that now. Yeah, it was on like a drag round. It's just like a little more patience. It's one of those things that he's got to work on. Yeah. But it's one of those things you can kind of accept like, all right, he's a college quarterback. But, again, one thing Coach Anderson pointed out, like we talked about the wide receivers, just look at how good they're doing, but a big part of that is the guy who's throwing it to him. Yeah. Because, I mean, Caleb Rep and uh, COC Mariner were both at the University of Utah on you know, that Pac-12 quarterback. <laughs> and uh, well, they did all of Diddley Jack there. And look, he's yeah. thrown to him now and he's doing really well. So take my subtle digs at Tyler Huntley there. Uh, I don't know or, if I appreciate that fully, but go on. <laughs> well, you like Tyler Huntley? I don't. I wouldn't say I like Tyler Huntley, but I would say that. Um, I don't have anything against him. I think he's decent but he's yeah the more i think about this I, no i so i'm everyone's probably gonna hate me for this but i am a little bit of a utah fan growing up in a pac-12 country like i've I, I respect it um and i've always thought tyler huntley had way more to give and he just definitely hasn't lived up to those expectations yeah um but what's funny about that is that you know your point is completely valid he uh Speaking of COC Mariner, he had 72 catches his whole career at Utah. And like you said, he's on pace to have 80 right now. Like, it's it's crazy. Like, just having a good quarterback to throw the ball to you will open up so many things. And that's yeah. exactly what Jordan Love's doing with his yeah, offense. It's just that the offense revolves around Jordan Love. And that's the biggest difference, I think, between Jordan Love and Tyler Huntley is that for whatever reason, Utah cannot rely on Huntley or just won't, you know, pick one or the other. Yeah. Um, they rely more on Zach Moss and... Um, which, I mean, I, I can't blame him for yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't blame him one single bit for that. I would yeah. probably, too. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what. If Zach Moss was on this team, there would be absolutely no controversy of who's going to be the number one running back because, yeah. goodness sakes. And you probably wouldn't end up throwing 22 passes. You'd, yeah. you'd get a little closer to that 50-50 because yeah. uh, you'd want to be handing the rock off to uh, uh, Zach Moss there. You think, but, you think uh, Zach or uh, Coach Anderson had anything to say about that when he was leaving Utah just – Gave him maybe a little bit of a note or something, just like, saying, hey, "Hey, you know, you ever visited Logan? Logan's pretty nice, Zach. <laughs> Logan's great this time of year, <laughs> not the rest of the year, but <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I guess he wanted to stay in Pac-12 because now, in some places, he's a Heisman candidate. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, again, fair enough. But yeah, Jordan Love, just you're gonna see more and more of this. You know, 34 passes in a blowout game. You're going to see him break. He's probably going to throw 40 passes or more against San Diego State unless for some reason they blow them out too. Yeah. Granted, even if they do blow them out, they're probably going to do it because probably going to throw a lot in the first three quarters. Yeah. I would imagine they would just based off of the way San Diego State is is so good at stopping the run. Um, when you have the weapons you do that Utah State does, um, I would I would just – I don't see any scenario where they don't go out and throw the yeah. ball at least 30, 40 times. Yeah, and they're going to try and pass to set up the run. Yeah, exactly. So – 
Hey everyone, quick break, but we'll be back to talk about San Diego State and preview the matchup of Utah State heading to San Diego this weekend. But for now, here's some fun clips of Devin Tompkins post-game after Stony Brook. It's, it's amazing. I feel like a little kid again, honestly. Like, I feel like I'm back in Pop Warner, you know, like I'm actually able to dis display my talent, you know, and just show everybody that, like, this is who I am and this is what I love to do, you know. I want to be one of the greatest to play the game, and that's my goal, and that's what I'm going to stick to. What would you call that move that you put on that guy on the receiving touchdown? Hot sauce. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. You know, I mean, just seeing our defense make those plays, you know. I, I love defense. In high school, I played I played offense, defense, and special teams. You know, I never came off the field, and I love defense. So when I see my defense out there, out there making big plays, you know, making big hits, that, that fuels me up to wanna, when I want to go out there, I want to make more plays just for them. Oh, so much. You know, I'm just ready to make more plays. I'm ready to go play whoever's next, San Diego State. I'm ready to go first conference game and just win, let's win this championship. That's, that's, something, that's my mindset. I actually just had my son. We had, we had our son on Sunday, this past Sunday. Thank you. And, um, you know, I really wanted to play this game for him tonight because he's experienced. He, he has some difficulties and everything going on with him. So I just, I really wanted this game to go to him tonight. All right. And we're back here on the States and Sports Desk. And we're going to start breaking down the uh, San Diego State game this week. Uh, after a bye week, um, seems like everything went well. Coach Anderson was really pleased with the way, uh, way things went in the bye week. At least according to his press conference, <laughs> which I mean, I, I don't know if a coach is ever displeased with what goes on in the bye week. Like, right. They were lazy. They didn't even show up. Like, <laughs> couldn't wrangle any of them. Like, I had like three people here the whole week. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds like an intramural practice. Yeah, right. It's like, we got a bye week, guys. Let's like meet up and practice right. so you can be ready for our next game. You show up like, well, we got a, we got one striker, we got a goalkeeper, and uh, no midfielders off. <laughs> That's great. Right. We're just going to have the striker do one on one. Practice penalty yeah. kicks. <laughs> But uh, it seems like the whole team was there. seems like everything went well. And uh, so now they're turning the sights to San Diego State. And the last time these two teams met, it's been a while. Um, it's been yeah. since 2016. And it wasn't a great meeting for Utah State. Uh, it wasn't a great year It wasn't for a Utah great State. year. If you, if you remember, that was the year they finished 3-9. and nine, Had a lot of really close games this season. Weren't really able to pull many away. But nope. um, weren't able to pull this one away either. It was uh, played at then Romney Stadium. Name change has happened since then. And the final score was 40-13. to 13. Uh, Utah State was on the losing end. And kind of an interesting game statistically when you look into the box score. Um, <laughs> San Diego State somehow pulled off a win by 27 points, only throwing for 14 yards on the day. That sounds like one of those 2A high school games where it's like they throw six passes yeah. in the entire game between yeah. the two teams. Yeah. And like the one pass where they got like 14 yards, they got like, it's just like. It's like whenever you go on a, a little bit of a wormhole on YouTube and you start watching Alaska high school football playoffs <laughs> and you're just like it's with blizzard they're running like four plays and then fumbling that's that's kind of what happened in this he's got to go up north to west side they run the tr they run the triple that's option true. up there they have i think one design passing play and it's you know qb rollout and whatnot that's true it's in the fullback out for a pass that's <laughs> <laughs> always a sight to see but i think things will be a little bit different this time uh they're not going to be switching between two quarterbacks seems like they're going to be pretty steady with ryan agnew um, and uh, they have a decent running attack, too, so that'll be a little bit improved, although they did rush for 400 yards in in the last meeting. Yeah, um, that's that's when if you give up 400 rushing yards, you're going to have, like, negative passing yards, and you'll probably still right, win that game. Right. Well, that's always been the uh, San Diego State's strength, at least over the last decade or so, is their running attack. Yeah, they've had a lot of good running backs. 
come through San Diego State. Mm-hmm. That's that's definitely what they've been known for. And um, Utah State, however, definitely has a better running attack than last time. Last time they only rushed for 71 yards for the whole game. Um, they uh, definitely have some better options this time with, with Bright and Warren, you would imagine. I don't even remember who the running back was that year for Utah State. I suddenly can't remember... So the main back... It wasn't Devontae Mays. So it was Devontae Mays. Oh, it was Devontae Mays. Yeah, Devontae Mays, uh, he only had uh, 19 yards in the game, and the two leading rushers actually were Damian Hobbs making an appearance, and <laughs> Kent Myers led the team with 26 yards. And uh, Gerald Bright was actually on the team. He spoke about it briefly at the press conference, um, but he didn't get any rushing attempts in the game, returned a couple kicks. Um, but he does remember at least it being very cold. That's what he, he mentioned quite a few times, a very cold day in Logan, which it figures probably not to be a cold day in September yeah, in San Diego. I, I, I can't imagine it's going to be anywhere near the temperature it was probably in, a, not. in like an October in Logan or <laughs> yeah, wherever it was. Late October in Logan is probably slightly different from yeah. you know, mid-September in San Diego. But um, other than the weather, other than maybe some of the uh, um, positions and some of the – um, I'm com- totally, totally forgetting what that word is. Uh, personnel. That's the one I was thinking <laughs> of. Personnel. Personnel. There you go. We're talking about fancy $3, $7 words. Personnel is probably yeah. not one of those. but <laughs> Yeah, it's like $4 word. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's used a lot in sports, so it's hard to get away with it um, and sound too fancy. But so uh, some of the things that have changed, obviously, uh, some of the things have not changed. San Diego State still has a very good defense, and Utah State, even though they have an improved running game, probably will still struggle to run the ball. Yeah, mostly it's just because of that, obviously, good defense. You know, good defenses will stop the run. It's hard to, like, just – it's hard to beat a good defense in the run because, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like passing where great passing attacks tend to beat out good secondaries, at mm-hmm. least as long as you game plan well. So I, I don't expect Utah State to run the ball terribly well because much as I like, you know um, – I've managed to forget the running backs. Joe, Joe Bright, Bright and, and Jalen uh, Warren. We're both forgetting things today. Just, yeah. I'm forgetting everybody. <laughs> Apparently, I just can't remember running backs today. Um, you know, Jalen Warren and Joe Bright are good, but I wouldn't classify either of them as, an, as elite. And the thing you're going to need to beat an elite run defense is to have an elite running back. And unless we get something extra out of either of those two, I don't think we're going to get that. Sure. You know, If they do manage to run for, let's say, 120, 130 yards, that would be huge. And that's not necessarily an elite running day, you know, 100 yards. You know, most teams will average right. 100 to 120 yards. Yeah. And so just getting an average like that would be really good for them because it's going to complement the passing game with Jordan mm-hmm. Love. And I mean, currently that's going to be three times as much as San Diego State's giving up. They're only giving up 42 yards a game. Yeah, it's like, like 42 right yards. Granted, they're only playing UCLA, New Mexico State. Yeah. And all that, so yeah. So let, let, I want to touch on that just briefly before we move too far into the actual matchup. Of like, I don't think San Diego State is a bad team by any means, but when your three opponents you've played this season are combined one and eight, and the one win was a Weber State win over Cal Poly and FCS, <laughs> like that's not saying a ton about your opposition. Yeah, it's it's really hard to gauge just how good New, Me- or New Mexico State. We know they're not great. <laughs> yeah, we know New Mexico State's not great. But yeah, San Diego State. It is hard to gauge, again, because of that, that competition. So it, it could be a blowout for Utah State. It could be a real tough game because if San Diego State is just overrated, they'll blow them out of the water. It was like Hawaii a year ago. Mm-hmm. Everyone was getting real up on Hawaii. They qualified for bowl eligibility in like week six or seven. Yeah. Because um, they went they started like 6-1 and one or 6-0 and oh or something like that. Yeah. And Utah State blew them out of the water in Hawaii. And – 
course, I, I actually wasn't surprised by that at all because I was very much on the Hawaii is severely overrated yeah. train. And, they, and Hawaii might have lost a couple of games before then. I believe kind they were something like six and two, but still, I mean, like yeah, they they kind of started their downhill trend where they lost like three, three or four games mm-hmm. in a five week stretch or something like that. Yeah, well, and what Hawaii definitely didn't have was a defense that that you know yeah. you're going <laughs> to win a lot more games when you have a solid defense. Yeah, they didn't have any semblance of defense. They threw for like five thousand yards, yeah. I felt like, but yeah, yeah, not much on the on the defensive end. And you know, so spe- speaking of throwing the ball, uh, you know, another way to possibly beat a really strong running defense is to you know throw the ball right and yeah. so you know utah state is obviously going to try to set up the set up the pass somewhat through the run but um it seems like at least through the first couple games um san diego state's defense as good as they are their their um their weakness is definitely probably in passing and pass coverage yeah um, if, if, if they have any sort of weakness it's going right, to be in the passing right. game they're still only giving up about 200 pass yards a game granted it's fcs weber state ucla and new mexico state mm-hmm. those aren't really good passing teams but i mean you actually look at the the completion percentages 65 percent from weber state 68 from ucla and 63 against new mexico state mm-hmm. those are pretty good completion numbers just really struggling the yards so you know, if utah utah state can obviously probably get completions mm-hmm. it's whether or not they can, you know, keep a drive going. Right. Well, and like another stat that kind of shows how teams are approaching uh, playing San Diego State, um, they rank 125th or 24th in the nation um, with opponents throwing the ball 60% of the time of their total amount of plays. And so, you know, you have New Mexico State last year, or la- excuse me, last week throwing for 299 yards against them. You would probably back Jordan Love compared to New Mexico State and say, you know, if, especially with the receiving core that Utah State has, I know we've talked about in the past being, you know, probably one of the weapons. Um, I would imagine we're going to see a pass-heavy game from Utah State. Oh, yeah, and that, that's something we're going to see all year is in a, a close game like this. Jordan Love's going to throw the ball. He threw the ball 48 times against Wake Forest. He threw the ball 22 times in the first quarter against Stony Brook, 33 times in a half, 34 overall in the game. You know, he threw one pass in the second half on the one yeah. drive he was in on. Quite a good pass, though. Yeah, good good pass. 25-yard completion. Yeah, so <laughs> that, that nearly put him over. If he got six more yards, if it was a 31-yard completion, he would have had 300 yards and uh, tied a couple of guys – for the uh, career 300-yard mm-hmm. games for Utah State. I think it's Brent Snyder and Jose Fuentes. Yeah, Jose I don't know Fuentes. if I said those right or not, but uh, this is off the top of my head something I looked up like five days ago. Yeah. So forgive me if I said those wrong. But <laughs> in, in, you mentioned Utah State might struggle to, to run the ball. They very much pass to set up the run. That's, that's what they do. Yeah. And so they're going to come out slinging the ball. And I, I imagine Jordan Love's going to put up a lot of a lot of yards. So as long as they don't blow him out by you know thirty points in the first half, then Jordan Love's probably going to top forty uh, attempts again. Probably going to top three hundred yards again. We'll see about interceptions because against tough defenses and in tough teams, he's tend to throw in a lot more interceptions. His, his interception rate almost skyrockets yeah. against these tough opponents. But he's going to put up stats. So let's actually talk about that a little bit because I know you did some research and you looked up some of the past um, games for Jordan Love against some of the tougher opponents on the schedule. And, you know, some of the numbers, you know, including interceptions, kind of lead you to believe he might kind of not fare as well. Probably is going to struggle in this one a little bit, right? Yeah, well, there's there's some struggles and some not because, and we touched on this last week, when you look at 
the four toughest teams he's played since um, the start of his sophomore year. You look at Michigan State, uh, Boise State, North Texas, and Wake Forest this year. And in those four games, uh, and I believe in each of those, I think he's eclipsed 40 attempts. Hmm. Uh, and he's averaging 364 yards, so that's really good. 61.3 completion percentage, which is below average, uh, at least on his part. Um, it's not bad, but you, you want to be as close to 65% yeah. as you can. Obviously, you want to be above 60%. He usually That's has like, a higher standard than that. Yeah. And then he has a 10-7 to 7 touchdown and interception ratio, mm. which is not very good for him at all. I mean, last year he was, what, 32-6, to 6, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think yes, he had two interceptions against uh, Michigan State. I think he had, like, one against Boise State at least. And I can't remember if he had one against North Texas, but like at least half of his interceptions came in those toughest games. So, yeah, it's just looking up. He had it was actually four, four of the six interceptions in, in all of last year came in three games, and they were his toughest games. So mm-hmm. interceptions obviously going up for him in, in those close games. And, you know, against Wake Forest, we saw the same thing. Interceptions, you know, playing better competition, they're going to take advantage of his mistakes more often than, say, Colorado State or, you know, all these other teams. Right. Um, but he's going to put up stats. Cause that's the thing. You look at, you know, 364 yards, that's a 4,000-plus-yard season. Yep. Uh, if you stretch that over 12 or 13 games and, you know, 10, 10 touchdowns, uh, try and do the math really quick, you know, <laughs> however many. Yeah, it's like 30 touchdowns. Doing some quick calculator math here. <laughs> I don't know if we you use math t- on this podcast. <laughs> well, I use the calculator. I don't know if how many people could. Uh, <laughs> you got to do the you know ten divided by yeah, four ten times <laughs> twelve or thirteen. You know, even more if you include the bowl game. So that was basically his touchdown pace right there, actually, because he had thirty-two touchdowns. Yeah. Over thirteen games, so that it's right on pace for him. Um, but that'll be the key, really. Um, is the interceptions. And then the the one key stat, really, because you know that most of those yards and productions and completion percentage aren't terribly unique to him, mm-hmm. it's the win-loss. He's 1-3 in those games. His yeah. one win was over North Texas, who lost their quarterback, didn't even have their best wide receiver for the entire game. And that was, of those four games, funnily enough, was probably his worst. Could be, yeah. Because uh, he completed, like, barely over 50% of his passes yeah. and was really bolstered by a lot of big plays, not not all of which, if I remember correctly, I actually haven't gone and rewatched the North Texas game. I, rem- th- I remember distinctly two really big passing plays from Aaron Vaughns and Jalen Green. Yeah, so like, yeah, th- th- those were the some of the big ones. I don't remember if they were good throws or if they just yeah. took it and ran with it. Again, I think I've watched every game of, from last season again, <laughs> except for North Texas, partially because I don't think I could find film of the North Texas game. Interesting. I'm so sure it's on normally YouTube I just somewhere. Look, well, I look, that's where I get most of it. But oh. Come on, YouTube. What are you doing? I don't know. It's broadcast like ESPN or something like that. It's harder to get those. That's true. I think the ACC network just straight up posted the, <laughs> the game. <laughs> <between>. <laughs> normally I have to like find some guy who yeah. pirated it or something. Thanks, guys. But yeah. That, so the one key, I think, in this game that I really want to see if Jordan Love can do is that we know he can put up stats. We know he can make great throws. We know he can make great plays. It's can he win? Yeah. Because you look at all of his most key games, he's lost just about all of them. Yeah, He's never, as far as I know, had a comeback. He's had clutch moments. He had a clutch drive against Colorado State, and that's about all I can remember. Mm. 
But, you know, look at his freshman year, bowl game against New Mexico State. That was his first time where he, they had to really rely on him. You know, he set a career high in attempts with 44. Hmm. Had an okay game, but they lost. Part of that was on the kicker because he got him into, you know, field goal territory enough. But he, if he'd have finished, like, one of those drives, they would have won the game. Yeah. But then, you know, against Michigan State, he threw an interception on what could have been a game-tying drive, I believe it would have been. Mm-hmm. You know, against Boise State, he just struggled towards the end. Uh, Wake Forest, again, threw an interception. It, it seems like that's a, r- a really common theme between these games because, you know, you could almost make the argument that he does lead the team and that, like, a lot of those drives you're talking about are built off of throws from Jordan Love and good decisions yeah. up until the point that he throws an interception. Yeah. And, and yeah, the, when you look at all these games, he's the reason they're in the game. We talked about this in our Wake Forest recap. He's the reason they were in the game. Right. He was also the reason they lost the game. It's, you know, you live by Jordan Love and you die by Jordan Love. Yeah. And Utah State's literally doing both in a lot of these games. Yeah. So it's the question of can he cut out that bad because he's doing everything right, like you said, up until a point where he just doesn't quite pull it off. It's yeah. it's one of his shortcomings. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it really is. It's one of the things that, like, for all the, the, the hype behind him and all of it is, you know, definitely um, is, is warranted. It, it's just the one thing that he's missing is, is being able to lead a team to a win from a comeback and really show that like that late that good decision making you know late in the game um and it's interesting because you know it you know it's only a small sample size but san diego state currently is second in the nation in takeaways per game or excuse me takeaway margin they're averaging uh three per game right now i mean so interceptions it definitely could be on the menu for san diego state yeah and, and jordan love is prone to it it only takes one mistake to cause an interception and jordan love made four mistakes that I recognized against Wake Forest. He only got punished for them on three, but yeah. That's three <laughs> three yeah. mis- that's three huge turnovers and they came at the worst possible times. And, and really and you know when you're playing any team like that, a San Diego State, a Wake Forest, somebody that you know you're gonna be fighting against, it, it it's shown. It, yeah. you just you can't make those mistakes or you're not gonna be able to win the game. Because yeah. like it was mentioned in uh in the in the press conference after uh, Stony Brook that Devin Tompkins like he he said flat out we had three opportunities to win the game when we you know we wasted them all like if if we would have converted on one of those at least like they probably would have won the game so it's you know it's it's definitely something that they're gonna have to really be be sure to limit in the game and probably even you know not start out the game throwing interceptions or causing turnovers because if you remember the Boise State game last year it was going really well they scored on the opening drive and then Jordan Love had that interception and things just really weren't the same for a couple quarters after that yeah because they played well again initially on their first drive on offense their first drive on defense and exactly you said that interception was really a turning point there yeah and this game can be a turning point for this whole season because when you look at history and I'll say this now. We do our little pick em, you know, for Utah State games. Yeah. We our staff picks, and I'm very tempted to say that San Diego State will win this game because of history. Yeah. And I went against history with my Wake Forest pick, despite what probably should have been my better judgment, and I, I ended up being <laughs> wrong. Almost, almost got it right. Yeah, almost got it right. I got the score real dang close. Yeah, real close. But I just had to flip the teams. But... You look at Utah State in conference road games versus teams that finished above 500. So basically all the good teams they've played. A team that finished the season at 500, and when Utah State plays them on the road, Utah State is 6-18 since they came into the Mountain West. Yeah. And (laughs) so so that's overall, sorry. Overall, they're 6-18 against teams who finished above 500. They're 2-8 on the road. 
Mm-hmm. And that includes the first three seasons of the Mountain West where they went 0-6, and, and those were the good years. Yeah. So you take out that 2016 season, they went 0-7, you know, against teams who finish above 500. That's, that's actually a really good year for the Mountain West. Right. But e- even if you exclude that and you just kind of narrow it down to the the three good seasons, they have three bowl eligible seasons. They went nine and five, ten and four, six and seven. They were zero and six against teams that finished above five hundred, and they're even worse on the road. So, like, yeah, it, and if, it, even if you want to look into it deeper, I know we've talked about this before with the Wake Forest loss of you know their home re- or their road record against non conference opponents is even worse. It's you yeah. know they've won I think it's six out of the last fifty seven or something like that. So, um, yeah, they're they're definitely going to be pressed on the road, and like you're saying, they win a game this weekend. And now you're one and zero conference. You've already put San Diego State behind you. Um, you've got to win against Stony Brook. You know that 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 loss to Wake Forest it doesn't loom as heavy when you win against an opponent like San Diego State. Yeah, and it's just and it's it's bucking the trend with history. It's saying we're no longer the team that loses conference games to good teams. I mean, last year look at the the one team that was above 500 on their schedule. It was Boise State, and or sorry, oh actually Hawaii was the other one. Again, Hawaii True. was kind of overrated, yeah. in my opinion. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess it counts statistically. There were one and one against teams that finished above 500, and Hawaii ended up going like eight and five or eight and six or something like that. And but again, their most important game of the year against a really good team, and they went on the road and they couldn't finish it out. And this one, obviously, it's not is they're not as good as Boise State, mm-hmm. but it's a statement. Instead of going one and two and thinking, "Oh, holy crap!" All this preseason hype that we had and Jordan Love and all that. Heisman and you know yada 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 go down the list like six or seven you know national watch lists and whatnot. All of a sudden you're one and two and you know that all goes out the window. It's like all right, we just got to survive. Yeah, we got to learn. We you suddenly start thinking, are we going to be bowl eligible? And those are questions you don't like asking yourself. Yeah, because through three or four weeks last year, it was like, yeah, duh, we're going to be bowl eligible. Let's see how <laughs> how much we right. can you know throw down on the schedule right and you go one and two and you're like well i guess we can't overcome our road demon so i guess we're gonna have to you know settle for like a seven and six season that's a huge swing right so and i I would still think that like the makeup of this team would lead you to believe they're still probably going to be better (laughs) than that but i mean still that it's just that that little thing that hangs around that, you know, it, it's always in the back of your mind. And, yeah. and I think this team's resilient enough to come over it, but maybe they're not. Who knows? Yeah. And that's the thing. We'll find out a lot in this game. And I said this a lot in our uh, schedule episodes about, you know, we'll find out a lot in this game, but this is one of those. Yeah. This is really the first one. The Wake Forest game, you know, it's the first game of the season. So you can kind of take that with a little bit of an asterisk, but this really is, this is conference play. This is on the road, a team that you've really haven't played well against in the past. It's it's a first test to be like, okay, where do we fit now? Yeah. So if Jordan Love can overcome his demons against really good teams and not just put up stats but, you know, empty calorie yards and whatnot, but, you know, throw down a real good game, you know, maybe zero interceptions, two or three touchdowns overall. He doesn't necessarily have to throw touchdowns, but just leading the team and playing really well. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's the biggest thing that, you know, at least – I look at playing San Diego State, and and you're not going to have to put up a ton of points. You're not going to have to put up a ton of yards, but you're going to have to play well. You're going to have to not you limit your turnovers, and if you can get somewhere in the 30 to 40 range at the most, like you're not going to have to be putting up 40-plus points to beat San Diego State. Yeah, 
see how he, yeah again he doesn't have to throw the four or five touchdowns or whatnot no. but yeah it's he has to limit yeah. mistakes yeah and and do enough to win because yeah they're gonna have to rely on him like i've said multiple times utah state has to live by jordan love this year yeah so if he can do that you know limit, limit the mistakes and just do what he's done so far this season without those mistakes i see no reason why this shouldn't be a utah state win but i'm kind of in wait and see mode at this point so one quick note before we actually make some predictions. Um, I just want to mention that Jawan Washington, as of right now, San Diego State's you know kind of star running back um, is questionable going into the game. Uh, Rocky Long says he's not going to be 100%. They're going to kind of test him out later in the week and see how he goes. Um, but uh, he didn't play last week, and San Diego State still did rush for 292 yards in the game, so maybe they might fare okay without him. Um, but it's definitely... Still, be. still in New Mexico State, but they better hope that Jawan Washington wasn't yeah. 100% because he's averaging two less than two and a half yards per carry on yeah. the season. Something's definitely not right with him right now. Yeah, and he's their leading rusher by attempts, I believe. Yeah. Not by yards. Definitely not no, not, not even close by he yards. He has yet to break 100 <laughs> yards rushing, and he has 42 carries. So let's, let's jump in and let's make some predictions. Um, I, I know you kind of teased this earlier, whether or not you're going to pick San Diego State or not. So I'll give you another minute to think about it. Um, I, I don't think I'm confident in San Diego State's offense enough to kind of pick them as a unit over Utah State. I still think Utah State's going to be able to do enough on offense. Um, I kind of thought that in the Wake Forest game, and that didn't really prove to be uh, <laughs> proved to be right for me. Um, but the turnover things, if Utah State, it kind of hinges on this. If Utah State can limit the turnovers, they will be just fine. They are a better team than San Diego State, in my opinion. So I'm going to say Utah State, it's not going to be a high-scoring game by any means, I don't believe. I think it's going to be Utah State 31, somewhere in that range, just above 30. And I think they're going to be able to hold San Diego State under 20 points. Um, so maybe I'm. let's just say 31-20. That's kind of what my heart's telling me right now. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know as far as score. I'd probably say both teams will be in the low to mid-20s. Yeah. You could see a 27-20, you know, 23-28, something like that. I'll probably nail down a score later in the week when we do our staff picks. Uh, shameless plug for my yeah, work at the Statesman. Yeah, look out for that later in the week. Uh, but I'm going to stick with what I tease, and I'm going to – like I said, I'm kind of in wait and see and just in, until Utah State proves me wrong. I'm going to go with San Diego State. So, again, I imagine uh, – I mean, you say that San Diego State might struggle with their offense, and I understand your uh, lack of confidence in San Diego State's offense. That's completely justifiable, but that's kind of like you when I thought Wake Forest offense wouldn't be enough. Yeah, that's fair. And they did really, really well. And Utah State secondary is not doing so hot right now. And, and Ryan Agnew showed that he can have a good game because he had 293 yards against UCLA, so we know he can have those kind of games where he produces and is able to move the ball Yeah. Uh, by throwing it. and. You know, they have a decent enough run game, so I think it's balanced enough to get enough points where, you know, if Jordan Love fails to finish off drives, which I guess that's what my prediction is, that they're going to not quite cap off enough of these drives, and there'll be some turnovers, and, s and it'll make it easier for San Diego State's offense to finish their own drives because instead of going 75 yards, they're going 40. Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll probably say something like, you know, 28-23 for uh, San Diego State. Mm. This that, is gonna be really that, interesting. That that score is subject to change for my uh, my uh, statesman picks. Yeah, so. we'll, we'll we'll nail these down officially later in the week. But I'm I'm really interested to see 
you know, how, how we feel later in the week, if, if our, our minds change at all, or if we're kind of just submitted in what, cause I mean, this is going to be, it's really a game where, like you say, we said a thousand times, it's a wait and see game. We'll have to just kind of feel yeah. it out. And Well, the thing is, I think Utah State's better than San Diego State. I also think Utah State's better than Wake Forest, but sometimes the better team on paper doesn't win. And that's just football. It's true. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for us this week. Um, at least for this episode. So we'll uh, we'll catch you again next week, hopefully uh, for all Utah State fans. <laughs> We're, it comes out a little bit better than Jason's predicting. Yeah, but hopefully I'm wrong. I was glad to be wrong against North Texas. Um, hopefully I'm wrong again this week. But until then, yeah, prove me wrong, yeah. Utah State. Prove if, me wrong. If you have any uh, opinions to voice, feel free to reach out on Twitter. Um, you can catch uh, States and Sports at States and Sports. Um, you can catch me at, at DREN underscore sports, and you can catch Jason at, at, the, at the JWalk. At the JWalk 67. 67. You can send your rage to me about me picking San Diego State in this game, but, you know, again, prove me wrong, Aggies. Prove <laughs> me wrong. I'm waiting. You've done it before. Let's do it again. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye. Not even a head nod this time, just an <laughs> awkward pause, an awkward gaze.